What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Builder? Today's episode, we have none other than Mr. Anthony Trucks on. This is a really fun conversation because we talk about all the success that he's had, like making it to the NFL, being on NBC's American Ninja Warrior, but also the downsides that he's had, the being raised in foster care, being abused as a child, and how he's made the identity shift, and that's came with the mindset shift, and how he's created a life by his design today. So if you're someone right now that you're looking to hear a powerful inspirational story but you're also looking to put tactics behind it look no further than this episode i'm excited for you all to hear it and without further ado let's go ahead and get into it what's up dream nation we are back again with another episode and i am excited to bring my brother to you this man has been impacting for many a years not only by impacting other people through football through american ninja warrior but also impacting people through having mindset shifts and so i'm excited to bring him to you today and without further ado please help me in welcoming my brother mr anthony trucks Anthony, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? What's up, Dream Nation? How you guys doing today? I know you can't answer me, but I'm still going to ask the question. (laughs) I'm sure there's somebody in their mind that's going to answer that same question that says, man, you know what? I'm good. I'm I'm excited for this one, just as I am. So the way that I always love to start these off is I like to make sure we give the proper introduction. And the way that we do that is I compare us as entrepreneurs and thought leaders just to superheroes. Why is because we're constantly flying around the world, we're putting on our cape, and we're trying to solve the biggest problems. So the one thing that we do know is behind Superman, there was a Clark Kent. The one thing that we Mm -hmm. don't know is behind the Superman of Anthony Trucks, who is Mm -hmm. that Clark Kent? Who is the Clark Kent? He is the guy that gets yelled at by his wife for not getting the kids up and getting their hair done and, and getting dressed nice for school. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a regular dude. I think that there's this perception of me of, and it's, 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 has it's, sir, don't, it's well deserved. I've worked hard in my life, but I am a regular guy with an irregular desire to help people. Man, I love it. Talk to me about when you were first growing up, you've been no stranger to adversity. And when you were first going up, you were someone who you found your way in and out of foster homes, if I'm correct. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Got mm-hmm. it. Unfortunately. And and I think that that's relevant today because even if you're not growing up in the foster care system, a lot of us right now, we're trying to figure out who we are. So yeah. talk to me about when you were young, at what point did you start to be able to live for who you were rather than trying to fit and adapt into other people's families, circles, identities? I was like 30, probably 31 years old. Really? <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a long, this is something we're always struggling with. I'm no different than any man or woman who deals with this. The interesting thing is, is yeah, a lot of people can't you know, relate to the exact experience of being in foster care because you are, you're bounced around. I was like beaten and starved and tortured, man. Like I was a foster kid. I was 14. So I had this weird identity at that time. But the thing is, everybody can attest to some point in life not feeling like they mattered or not feeling like they fit in or dealing with the reactive shifts. Like for me, I work in shifts. It's actually identity. It's funny. There's studies that show that a lot of people are anchored in mindset nowadays. It's prominent. But the interesting thing is there's been multiple studies, especially on entrepreneurs that found that a mindset, you could have all the tactics and tools and strategies. But if you do not self-identify or self-categorize or have an identity of the entrepreneur, then that mindset holds no ground. It does nothing for you. You just right. feel worse than you like, you're like, why do I have all this? And I can't get this and I still suck. And it's actually, it, it's negative. So identity is where I work because that's been my, my thing my entire life. And it's mostly because a lot of us have moments, some awe shift moments, why my podcast has named that, yeah. that, that forces into situations that are either proactive or reactive. I proactively want to get a better job. I proactively want to lose weight. I proactively want to start a business, start a podcast. But then we're in times now where it's very reactive. I'm reacting to the world shutting down, me losing my job, my friend losing their job, people being angry and emotional, and I'm in more confrontations in public. These things are reactive situations that most people don't know how to handle. I just started handling them back when I was three years old and forced into a system that didn't care about me. So 
I'm not better or special. I'm just, I've just been in the, in the driver's seat of this car for a while. Man. Now, how, at what point did you start to feel like you wanted to make that shift for yourself? Was it yeah. when you were 16, 17 years old and you're saying, Hey, yeah. I'm about to become a man. If I'm mm. also correct, you were also a teen dad. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Well, 19, pregnant, 20, we had the, we had our first, I guess the way I explain it. So my logical conscious mind now, the way that I've tried to make shifts is vastly different than when I was a kid. So at 15, I did have those moments. I I vastly had these these multiple stages because I was this foster kid, just got adopted at 14, played football for the first time, was horrible at football. And my mom, she got diagnosed with MS and I was trying to find a way to have self-worth because we all do that. We want to find a way to feel like we matter. We want to be accepted. It's everybody. I don't care who you are. And for me, I was like, I'm going to play football. It looks fun. Let me try it. And then I suck. And then I tuck away because I suck at the game. My mom is sick. My older brother went off to the military. So I'm kind of like, I'm one of six and I'm one of five at the house. And it's like, dang, like it just life was going down. And I had this moment in time where I was gifted with something that few of us get an opportunity to be given, which was a gift of hearing out loud the excuse I had given for quitting and hearing how stupid it is. Some girl says to somebody else without me listening, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. And it just, it just hit me in the stomach. That sounds gross. Like that's, that's not really good enough for me to sit and walk the rest of my life. And well, the reason I'm unsuccessful is I'm a foster kid. The reason I'm a bad dad, the reason I'm, I'm a criminal. It's just so for me at that moment, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to have that be something I ever speak out loud. And so I, I went in and this is what the first part of it was. I decided, simple decision, I'm going to be better than that. Is it? It wasn't some earth shattering, the world opened up and all of a sudden some light came out of the sky and I got, it wasn't some crazy story. It was like, I don't like this anymore. It was just a decision. Like I'm done feeling like this because a lot of us need that catalyst moment. I don't think we do. I think we just got to wake up like, all right, it's enough. And that was the thing that spurred me to say, I want to be great. And then great meant for me football at 15 years old. So I dug in and I did what a lot of people don't do. I decided I'm going to do the things to be successful before I knew I'd be successful. Mm. That's it. And I dug in, man. I lifted the weights, ran the routes, caught the footballs, came back the next year, an animal. Like, and that's where a lot of my work is rooted nowadays is the concept of what I remember and how I experienced that moment. Because what I tell people is when like to your root that it's who you are to do this thing, one, it becomes easier. It takes less willpower. I'm doing right. that thing because it's, it's who I am to do. I'm a good mom. I'm a good dad. I'm a football player. I'm going to lift. I'm going to eat. I'm going to run. So you are. It's, it's almost, it's hard, but it's really easy at the same time. You find almost joy in doing it. But then you got people who have this, the imposter syndrome, we'll call it, of, yeah, but that's not me. And I don't, what if somebody judges me? What if they look at me funny? Yeah, they're going to look at you funny because that's not, that's, it's not who you are, but don't you want to be somebody else? Right. Doesn't that, doesn't that person have the job, the house, the body, the wife, the husband, the car you want? Yeah. So if you're not that person, you want that, yeah, you're going to have to do something different, which means people are going to see that as something different. But guess what? The first time you do it, it's funny. Second time, it's like, I'm still doing that. Third time, it's, they really are. Fourth time, it's like, that's who they are now. Like right. it takes, but most people are so deathly afraid of step one, they never reach step four. And so that's, I'd learned that at a young age because when I was doing the football stuff back then, I did a whole bunch more after. But that point in time, I was like, what are you doing, Ant? You suck. Why are you out there running routes? What are you, what are you lifting weights for? You're just going to run, run faster, slower? You're going to get stronger, run slower? It's like just making fun all the time. And then eventually I come back and I'm buckling those dudes. Oh, far from it, dude. I was like a childhood. Why is this guy still playing the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not even kidding, man. It took two years to figure it out. I mean, I eventually got a scholarship and played the NFL. But that was, if you just saw me at 14, you'd be like, why, who would let this kid come out here? He's going to get hurt. Hmm. Man. And I think that that's so big. Two things came to my mind. And the first thing was Jim Rohn. He says something along the lines of success is not what you get in the end. Success is who you have to or or who you have to become to achieve it. It's something along mm-hmm. those lines. Oh, and I got to yeah, figure yeah. out that quote again. But the second one, when you started talking about first time is, oh, you're going to do this. Second time is, oh, you're still doing this and so forth. And it gets me to thinking about children because they're so fascinating. But when they first start riding a bike, you're untrained. We all want to be in the end an expert on something, but you just have to understand that you're untrained. First time you get on that bike and you're deathly scared of it. And then after a while, second day, third day, and some of these kids go off and they become BMXers or whatever Mm. it is. But at the beginning, they had no concept of how to be great. They just took it one step at a time. And so I love that you brought that part up. And as much as we talk about that, the problem is adults think, oh, that's just a bike, ride a bike. We're just a kid. And there wasn't much going on. 
but relatively to a kid, that's everything. It's everything. So, so just because you're an adult, it doesn't mean that it's any different. Because to you, like quitting this job to start your business, that's still everything. It's the same relative aspect. And I think the thing that people fail to comprehend is that, like, at the end of the day, if if you if you're a kid and you want to ride a bike and you can't ride a bike, you get to watch everybody else ride bikes. You get to sit there and feel like crap. And it just mm. eats at you. And then now you think you suck and you go in the house and you, you, know, you get chubby and you don't, you just eat food. You, you make fun of those people. Same thing in life, man. If you want to do that thing, eventually, if you, you give up on doing it, you have to watch everybody else live your dream. And I just think that that's such a sad thing because there's really the only thing separating you from that person is just getting on the bike and taking one pedal stroke and figuring it out. And then now you're riding with them. It may take a while. You may not be riding BMX. I can't ride BMX, but I could ride along. I could, I could enjoy parts of it. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody's going right. to be Elon Musk, but you can go ahead and be little Bobby down the street selling hot dogs too. Like it's cool. We're a business. Thanks. Thanks, man. When you made, you did something that obviously so many kids, so many, especially young boys want to do in their lifetime. You made it to the NFL. And I think that that is definitely a feat that we don't want to go unnoticed because 1% of the 1% of the 1% actually get to make it. For you, at what point did you really start to know? And I think this is, can be relevant in all business cycles, but was there ever a time where you were like riding this bike and you were like, oh, I think I'm going to make it. Or did it, was it just like one step every day? And then all of a sudden you're like, somebody else tells you like, yo, you can go to the NFL. And you're like, okay, why not give it a shot? Like that oddly. Unfortunately it was there. there. So I call it both. That was in the bonus rounds. I've been in bonus rounds of life for a long time. Statistically in America, if you go to any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. 50% of the homeless population has spent time in foster care and like less than 1% of foster kids graduate from college. So statistically, I am not supposed to exist. The football on top of that is just, these aren't these aren't real things. So for me, it's like the fact that I got a house that I can live in, and I got parents that are you know feeding me and all that kind of stuff. And I grew up real poor too in that family, to be honest. Like I'm the only black person, all white, poor family. A lot of dynamics of issue and identity. But what it was was I got to this point where I started realizing I'm just going to keep seeing what else I can get out of this. Because if you think about bonus rounds in a game. You beat the level. You still beat the level, but let's see what extra. Can I get more mushrooms? Can I get more rings? Can I shoot more ducks? You just keep on going. And eventually, it's like I've been I've been leaning into more and more bonus rounds of life. So at that time, yeah, when I was growing up, it was like junior year of college that I considered like the NFL is a feasible possibility. A year later at the NFL Combine and a year later that I'm with the Buccaneers. It's just like, it's, it's weird. It really was a weird experience, to be honest with my other. This, these aren't my lines. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and, and the funny thing is you still have, most people don't grasp. You st- I had imposter syndrome while playing. Mm. There's this thought of, I don't belong out here. Like I'm not, I wasn't a blue chip guy in high school. And the, 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 the thoughts creep in. Mm-hmm. And I think my first time, like my first year with the, with the Bucks, like I let it get a little bit of my head. Like I didn't belong there. I didn't feel like I earned or deserved or whatever it was, whether it was the foster care stuff or just homesickness. I almost wanted to quit, man. Mm. But it's uh. It's a difficult, it's a difficult thing that everybody battles, but not everybody talks about, especially at the former NFL linebacker. Like, you know, you don't talk about this. Me sharing these things took years to get to the point of being able to express. But yeah, man, the NFL was not this, all right, I'm going to go there. I got this. It was like, what's the next thing? Oh, NFL's next. Let's try that. And I just, whenever I I lean into something, I choose it. I buckle down and go. I I get rid of the, the voice in my head that's it's copping me out. I just dig. But then in the NFL is odd. Once I got there, that's when I started questioning it. It's a weird situation. Yeah. And so talk to me about, because that's some, just like you said, not a lot of people, when we look at these big mega athletes, especially in NFL, we think of big macho guys. We think that nothing can break their mindset, especially like you said, when you're a linebacker, was that the norm that like, it's a don't ask, don't tell, but, or do you think that, that there was like a lot of people that also feel that way? Because yeah, if you're up against Jadavion Clowney or, or whoever else that it might be, they're just like you said, they came from Clemson or somewhere like that and you line up um, that day and you're doing drills with them. Do you feel like a lot of people go through that? They just don't ever talk about it? Almost like a form of depression? No, I don't think. I think there's some, probably some guys for sure, but I don't think they're all doing that. I think at the end of the day, most people, uh, they get to the league like they're feisty. They're fiery guys. I just, I think there's a difference inside of me. And I'm not saying that any guys didn't, but I think if they did, I didn't know. And also, mm. you got to realize a lot of guys fat battle things that nobody, they don't talk about. They don't, they don't go the extra mm. level to express or share. And so you do got a lot of guys that are just battling demons. They never share, never talk about. It's why they end up getting in trouble or taking their lives. It's tough. Uh, but we live in a society where it's not the common thing for someone to express exactly how they feel. 
So they end up living their entire life, like feeling like they're less than or not worthy. And so that's where I think the suicide rate for men is six to one. It's just, it's difficult. So yeah. And a lot of guys struggle, but I don't think a lot of guys talk about it. For you, what was like, was there ever a time, cause you went through your first wife and you got a divorce, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was years later. Yeah. My, my life it. fell apart post football, post NFL, man. It was not a good time for me for the first like, eight years. <laughs> Wow. And so the reason why I wanted to ask that is because as you're going through this imposter syndrome, was it all an innate ability that you knew who you were and you were going to keep going? Or was it like no. your environment of like your wife saying, hey, you're supposed to be here. Think about what you did in college. Think about this time. Like you got this. Yeah, no, it was, it was, you know what it is? It's a dissociation of, of the, the I, I explain, I separate myself from the weird emotional thoughts. I don't like to operate in emotional space. I think a lot of people do. Not that they choose to, they just don't even, they're not aware they're doing it. But if I get up every day and I'm trying to make my goals happen or reach something based on how I feel each day, then I will never reach it. Because there will mm. be a day you, you wake up and I don't want to do it and you don't right. do it and you feel bad about it. And the next day you're like, well, I didn't do it yesterday. I suck. Why even try? And it just trickles downhill. So for me, I've always, I call it kicking the ball out and I run up to it. I kick the ball out and I run up to it. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm just taking steps because I got to get to the ball. And so there's days when I wake up and I do not feel like doing things, but it's not like I don't, I can't not do it because I don't feel like it. It's supposed to be done. It's in my calendar, which means it has to get done. I'll do it. I don't want to do it right now. All right, I don't, but I want to get it done. At this point in my life, I realized the reason that it's been useful for me, and I understand, I now teach this, the reason it was useful for me and why I've been able to have success is the things that, that certain people do that are successful, it almost gets frustrating to everybody else because of like, how do they make it look so easy? Like, why is that? Why, I, I struggle with this. How do they do it so easy? How do they do it and find joy in it? It's weird. And what it is, this is where identity came to play. It's all because... Because it's who they are to do that thing. And when it's who you are, it's less of a burden, more of a feels weird if I don't. So it doesn't take willpower. It takes, it just takes a separate kind of fuel. So it's, for example, if someone's, um, think about anybody like Susan, some lady named Susan who, you know, she, she didn't want to work out and on her social media posts was always just like weird pictures of like wolves in her house and, and maybe the occasional like family photo. But now Susan went to CrossFit. Susan works out. And Susan's got pictures of yoga pants and her butt cheeks and eating certain foods. And she's got her stuff and her, yoga, her, her CrossFit friends. Well, what's the difference? There's, there's no difference except for in the beginning, it was very difficult for her. And she didn't post much. But after a while, it became who she was. Right. And now it's normal. Now that hard workout, it wasn't it's not difficult. It's fun. Because everything you try in the beginning, whenever like you try like the marriage situation, those were hard things to do. The, the, the business was hard. You First, you try it and then you realize you suck at it. You try it again and then you realize, okay, I'm a little bit better. You try it again. And it goes from like a 10 of pain to nine of pain to an eight of pain. Eventually it goes to a zero. And people think it's zero. It's like, all right, I can do this. I'm just not pain. No, it actually turns into joy at that point. The mm. thing you hated becomes a thing you love doing. And so for me, what I was doing back then, what I teach now was I just kept stepping up to the plate and minimizing the pain of it because I knew it needed to get done, whether I felt like it or not. And eventually in doing so, the thing became easy. It became joyful. And now what everybody else is like, and how do you get all that done? Like, how do you not? That's part of my brain's like, how do you not? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Cause you haven't, you haven't weathered the storm. You didn't lift the weights of life. And so for me, I teach people like, how do we move into that space, structure that so that over time it becomes this thing where you look back and go, I don't know when, but like all of a sudden I feel amazing. And then that's right. how things get better. Man, I, I love it. And, and this was something that I learned and it wasn't too long ago, but when I was thinking about, because we all go through those same mindset shifts. And, and what I mean by that is in the beginning, we're playing the comparison game. And Very after so. a while, and, and I think that's a thief of all joy, because right now, I don't know how long that you've been speaking. I don't know how long. Well, it doesn't matter what it is that we're talking about, but you could have been speaking for nine years. So you've now done thousands of events. Maybe I'm only in year two. And I'm wondering, how does Anthony make it look so easy? Just like what you said. But I'm comparing yeah. your 150th step to my 16th. And that's unfair to me, right? To know, yeah. because at the end of the day, everybody has their own books that they write and not every book is 15 chapters. Some of them got to build up. You alluded to it earlier, actually. You talked about Rohn's statement of, you know, it's not what you achieve, but it's, it's more of who you become. And I don't know if it was the exact statement, but it's interesting is there's always a hero's two journeys that most people fail to comprehend mm. is going on. 
one journey is the achievement. Like I, I use Mighty Ducks as like the, uh, the, the way to like, t- teach this kind of concept, but the Mighty Ducks movie, I loved it. It was like this thing at the end, there's just excitement. And the whole time they're trying to achieve something. They want to achieve winning this tournament against the, the team from across town. And so what ends up happening is in the beginning, you got this, this kid who's stuck up and he's this kid doesn't want to be on the team. And you got the, the Emilio Estevez who's being forced to be there. And you got the little chubby kid who doesn't like himself and the girl who's embarrassed and the, the thrasher kid from the back alleys who's a nobody, right? And yes, they come together to achieve something, but the achievement was never really the thing that made you get the chills. What it was, like that, that moment you'll see him score, and yeah, but what makes you feel good, what sets up Ducks 2, 3, 4 is who the kids became. Right. Who Emilio Estevez became. The, the, he became a better guy, dated the kid, dated the kid's mom. The girl feels better about herself. The Bash Brother guy feels cool. Goldberg, the goalie, like all these people, they, they, they open up and they become different humans who are now capable of doing the things that were struggles easier. And lo and behold, they get scholarships and it all opens up. That's right. how life works for a lot of us. Few people are grasping. You're not trying to achieve the achievement for the achievement. You're trying to achieve the, the achievement for the transformation of who you become when it's done because who you are can do that again and again and again. And then next time it gets easier. Man, that and that's so powerful. And I thought of my son. I got a nine-year-old boy and, and my daughter turns three in November. And I think that every single day, that's the thing that we really have to be looking at is how do we have next level leadership? And what does that look like? A lot of it, it's with character and adversity. Our kids, they got to be able to see some adversity to know that, hey, I can get through this. If everything is easy and you're only focused on the end result, I tell people all the time that you don't have to love the journey, but you have to be married to the destination because the journey will change. There's ebbs and flows all the time. And if Mm -hmm. you learn to embrace them, even though you don't love them, I'm sure there was a lot of character and adversity that had to be built in the NFL for you to be able to even just make it. And so for you now, now you've become, you played in the NFL, you've accomplished this, and now you decide that you want to do this new chapter in life. You want to teach other people how to not give up on themselves and how to have these mindset shifts. The common thing, and people say the mindset shift, and I always have to hear them like, oh, I get a little twinge because it's so much deeper than that. And I feel like people lose out on the true depth of what happens when the identity shifts because the mindset flows with it. But yeah, yeah, my my bad. I interrupted. (laughs) No, it's all good. And we, I want you to tap into all of that. But I was just wondering, was there one time that came on this? Did someone come up to you at the end and they said, oh my God, I would love to blaze a path just like you did, but here's where I am. And I feel like I can't. Was there an epiphany moment or did you already know I'm getting out of the NFL? Here's what I want to do now. No, I didn't do this. This was this was actually the the culmination of me doing the work I teach. So I got out of the NFL. I have my degree in kinesiology. So open a gym. Novel idea for an athlete. Nobody does that. <laughs> and so I'm running this gym. I'm training athletes. And then I start figuring out like people want to, you know, have me teach them how I do what I do. So I figure I'll hop on some stage and start teaching. And so I started teaching and traveling the world and talking about fitness. And then I started getting into the point of like, telling more of my personal story. People ask like, how'd you get here? What's your story? And I start sharing it. People are like, it's a crazy story. You should probably tell more people. Started telling more people. Then I got in this, uh, this world of telling a story. And then a uh, corporation brought me in to teach some of that stuff, but mostly like fitness and stuff. All right, I'm going to do consulting because I like this consulting thing. I don't want to really worry too much about running a gym and having all these employees and 20 staff and hundreds of clients, just a lot. So I'm like, let me do this. And then I get to the point where I start consulting and find that there's a personal development world I had no idea existed. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy named Brendan Burchard who, I don't know if you know him, he's a phenomenal yeah, yeah. heart, great dude. He's, he's one of the pillars in the industry. And I happened in one of his events in Santa Clara, randomly off of somebody that I was consulting for, recommending his name for some topic, look it up, like, all right, let's go. And then he happens to have an event an hour south. I'm like, all right, I'm shooting down to Santa Clara, check it out. I end up going uh, and just being a, a guy in the stands nobody knew. And then fast forward three years after realizing what he taught in that, that time frame, was like, there's a lot to my personal story, a lot to my perspectives, how I can teach these things not just teach a concept because I'm teaching and talking about concepts right now, but I have full fledged curriculum. I work clients through. I was on the phone earlier with 60 people. Uh, one of my previous clients didn't have any clients. Like he now has a group of people, like hundreds of people in his program and I'm training them. And he's this guy I'm bringing on is the reason I'm who I am. Like it's super awesome to feel. Right. Um, but this all came from the understanding of like the value of what I bring to the table from my personal story that I can teach. And fast forward like three years, I'm on that guy's stages. I could text him right now if I wanted to. I'm the only person that's gone from being a person in his stands randomly to speaking on his stage, like being in mm. his home. 
And it's, he's a huge heart. And I think the, the biggest thing for me to realize is it's not a matter of the things that I can do or the things that, you know, he doesn't care about football. He doesn't care about mine. It's who I am. It's the, it's the things that I did, how I show up, the moments that nobody can really grasp. Like those are the little things because what separated me from everybody else is I go home and do stuff. Everybody right. else sits there and thinks about, should I, could I, what if I get looked funny? I did a video a day called a nightly 90 for 1,333 days, 3.65 years. Every single night I posted a video. Wow. Nonstop. 90 little seconds? Things that, or ni- 90, 90 second videos called a nightly 90. It's still on YouTube. You can watch all of them. They're all there. Yeah, <laughs> you I'll watch me and my out. kids grow up through it. But these little things, man, those are the things that separated me and they can separate literally anybody because it's not that I'm some magical human, man. The, the work that I've, I'm now teaching is work that I lived and I went back and said, all right, I know it's work because it's worked for me. I see it work for clients the way I, I conversate with them. Let me unpack the neuroscience and the psychology behind how this really comes to fruition. And I've turned it into a full-fledged structure called the shift method. And that's really what I go out and teach. It's not Anthony having a good day. Let's talk about stuff today. It's like, here's step one of the shift method. Here's step two. We walk people through. And what's beautiful is when you go through, mindset is a byproduct of having a good identity. Like the, the ideal identity, I call it for your dream. The byproduct, you don't even think about the fact that you just have a good mindset. People be like, you got a great mindset. They'll be like, oh yeah, I guess I do. Because you just... That identity has that or a certain right. belief system you have or certain habits you have. How do you do da 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 da? I don't ever thought about it. I just do it. It seems it's just who I am. Because the thing right. is, is anybody's ever been in a room with people who are at levels above them in a place they want to be? Maybe it's a better mom, better dad, better business owner. When you sit in that room, I've been in multiple rooms above me and just always stretched into them. But I get in and I listen. I'm like, these people are loopy bird. I don't know what, <laughs> how do they even think of that? And you start to realize like, oh, they all think like that. Common sense tells you they all think like that then that's probably that part of that identity that allows them to be that person, how they see problems, where they see opportunity, how they, how they see progressions of bringing things to life, what slows them down, what doesn't and should never slow them down, what they see disdain with. You start adopting this, this perspective of, oh, that's the kind of identity I need to be. Because then what happens is you get to be like them in that capacity. And everybody want to be like, to be in that capacity. And it becomes easy. The things that are hard, become easy and, and life in and of itself is hard. So imagine how much li- more enjoyable life is when you can do hard things easier. Like, cause if life's hard and I can do hard things easy, ooh, life gets easy. Hey, what's up dream builder. Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. Did you earlier, you, so you met Brendan Bouchard, right? You developed a relationship with him. Did you instantly sign up for his coaching? Like, were you hooked on it? Or was that something that you were just like, no, I'm going to take this information. I'm just going to continue to do my own thing and get better. And then all of a sudden the stars align. And the reason why I asked that is because right now mentorship and coaching is as hot as it's ever been. Everyone's Should reaching be, out yeah. to other people on social media and things like that. And people reach out to me and I'm sure they reach out to you and, and they want to yeah. know how they can be coached or whatever. What did that look like for your path? Yeah. So for me, I, I started off in an aspect of like, I just went and showed up. I didn't even know about the world, the whole like, what's everybody hugging each other and, and doing crazy? What is everybody, you know, just, I'm not touching nobody. I'm a football guy. We don't do this. At first, yeah, I didn't. And so that was like the entrance and like reading and learning. And I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing for me in the beginning was getting past the ego point of I'm too good for this. That's the first, I'm too good for this. I don't need to be doing all the X, Y, and Z. Mm. And so when I got past that, get to the point of realizing that, that if you don't give yourself permission to improve, you never will. You gotta give yourself permission to improve. So what I tell people is like this first intro portion, I just showed up and learned and absorbed. And then I gave myself the permission to suck. Like I, I'm gonna suck at this. Let me start recording things. And I just did the work. And it, was, it wasn't him that found me, to be honest. It was a weird turn of events where I was in, a, I was in the back of the room and he has you separate these groups. And in one of the groups where some girl in the far back is hanging out, she joined the group and we tell our story, she tells her story, everybody's telling stories. And then afterwards, like the, the next event, I want to say, someone goes, tell me your story. Some random woman, tell me your story. And then I told her my story because now I'm up and up and like, all right, I'll just tell my story. I'm already doing this, right? Right. And, and so I'd be going to events, couple, they're always like separate months apart from each other. 
And it ends up finding, I found out that the woman who, who asked me that question was a woman who was like the main manager for Brendan. And the woman who was in the actual group with me was Brendan's, like his right-hand guy's son's fiance, who was working the staff that day. So she told this lady who then asked me a question. I told her the question. She's like, cool. And I guess they started watching and paying attention. Did I show up? What did I do? How did I apply the information? And then one day they go, do you want to volunteer? Yeah, I'll volunteer. And I had no intention of meeting B. Like it wasn't this thing where I want to go and I want to meet him because I think NFL they, that takes that from you. Mm-hmm. You get to see these guys, everybody else is oh, looking on the pedestal. And you're like, but that dude's cheating on his wife and he's making fun of people and he's not a good dude. But hey, the right. rest of the world loves him because he catches the football. So it's, there's just differences in that aspect. And so I didn't have that. But I just want to be around the industry and see what would happen, how it worked. And then one day I, I got asked to like be like borderline security because I'm still a six foot one, 240 pound guy. Like I'm a bigger dude. And so... I'm like security. And then like, he asked me a question and I show him as contorted. Like I'm still flexible. He's like, dang, how do you do that? I, like, I got this thing I do. He's like, I had made this product. He's like, you have anything? I was like, I got this little product and show you. So I show him this thing called Jim in a bag that I'd made for a previous companies. Like we're going to make this. So we make it, become business partners, become buddies. And over time, it's just grown into something else. But a lot of the progression was nothing more than what you heard. It was me showing up and doing the work, mm. getting opportunities and being prepared for when they came. That's just what everybody hears. But so many people, they don't want to waste time because what if I do this and it doesn't come to fruition? Yeah, it may not come to fruition and that, that area you, that you're trying to attach it to. But what if it does at a higher level in a different direction? Right. What's the thing that you're, you're shooting for down here to build, to create that you're putting your, all your eggs in? Like that egg's supposed to be in a different basket over here, but it can't be there because you never even made it for this basket. And I, nice. I always am. And then on top of that, what am I learning while making the egg? What am I learning while creating this? Because that's the thing that's gold. The information people don't realize that is most important. It's not what somebody gives you in the book. It's what you learn in the book. It's the information you get while applying what you learned in the book. It's, right. it's, it's such you can't verbally say or speak. Like my biggest struggle now is being able to transfer through the chemicals of my brain, the vibration of my, my vocal cords, through the microphone to your, your face and people hearing it in vibrations, and that triggering chemicals in your brain to get the thought the exact way that I have it. That's my problem. I mm. got the thoughts and they're there, but how do I get the thought implanted in people's ears who are listening? Because when it does settle in, when they do grasp it, that it immediately changes people. Because it it it'll change. It's like once you, you can't unring the bell, they say. Like once you've come out, once you see that they've taken the red pill, you can't go back in the tube, Neo. You can't. Thanks. But how do you get people to get this pill? And it's the words. And like the hardest part now is what's the collection of words to get this pill to go into your brain? So you go, oh, oh, I get it. Oh, wow. Okay. And then now everything changes. That's what you need for people. Man. No, I, and I absolutely love that. It's the, the experience. And, and we, as, me and, and my guys, we always say, your mind is like a wallet that has had money in it. Once it expands, it can never contract again. And, yeah. and so I definitely, definitely agree with that. Let me, and that was something that I was going to ask. Like right now, it seems like everybody looking at you, it looks like you have it all made. You have a beautiful <laughs> family, or you, have the, you have everything. Like right now, if you can look back over these last, three years outside of trying to transfer the energy to other people for them to be able to understand that they can accomplish the same things that you have because you're just an ordinary guy. What else has been your biggest struggle? Hmm. It's, it's the same as everybody else. It's consistency in, hmm. in one clear direction. The hardest thing for me, I'm a, what I call a dabbler. There's actually a, there's a quadrant I created called a slower go, and it breaks down if you're a doer, defender, dabbler, or a goer, or, or sorry, uh, a dreamer. And, and I, for a lot of years, was a dabbler, which is essentially a shiny object person. I try something new. It doesn't have an immediate success point, so I try something new again because I'm addicted to that first rush of the idea and the creation, and I launch it. If it doesn't work, I just got to do it again. <laughs> And then what I had to figure out was like, no, no, the people who are successful, they, they have that first rush, but the, the true transformation that we talked about, the goals being met happens when you doctor. So most things, you design it, you develop, you deploy, then you doctor. Most people miss the doctor phase. They design something, they develop some idea around it, they, 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 they create parts of it, they deploy it into the world and it sucks. And they go, all right, I'm gonna try something else. This could be working out. It could be trying to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, doesn't matter what it is. Most people don't go back and say, okay, what part of this was broken? So I don't keep doing the same thing over and have the same result. Mm. Where can I find the sick piece that I can treat like the doctor? And the doctor's job in, the, in your life isn't fun. Nobody likes being the doctor because the doctor tells you bad news and gives right. you pills you don't want to take. So 
for me, like I am, I've been, I've been, I've always struggled with this. We always will. It's like, how do I take this thing I made that I put effort into and I had this big vision was going to be great. And then it didn't turn out how I expected. How do I get the emotional drive to keep doing it again? And this is where I allude to what I said earlier. I don't go to the emotions. I go to the fact that I know that my logical brain in that emotional space, not the present space, knew that this had to be done. So if I knew it had to be done, I trust that guy from last week, two months ago, two years ago. And I just, I do, I do it's on paper and I do it. Mm. I pull the emotion away from it and then I just keep moving and I move and I eventually just say it's hard, it becomes easy. And then I find joy and then the, I get the result and then I'm happier. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got everything. Cause that's what I have is not this, not special, man. It's not like I have a, a beautiful wife. I have beautiful kids that are happy and healthy. I make good money. I get to travel. I have a good body. Like I'm in shape. Dude, none of this is anything like nothing. It's, it's nothing that no one else can have. Everybody can have it. The only difference is in the moments that I don't want to do it, I still do it. Mm. That's it. That's the magic sauce, man. It's just people, they look at it as a bigger picture of push hard, drive, give everything you got. No, just do the thing you don't want to do today because tomorrow there'll be a new thing. When you do want to do this thing, there will be a new thing because the, the identity that has the things that you want, it's on the backside of a door that has a problem in front of it. And the problem people have is they haven't figured out what's on this door. They haven't crossed this threshold to even approach the door that has the problem they can solve to reach what they want. So for me, I just kept trudging along doors like Shawshank Redemption crawling through the, the poopy tunnel, bro. I just keep going. And eventually I popped out at the backside. That, that's all it was. And it's that it, it doesn't have to be this big emotional overhaul to drive, but it's like, all right, I know I got to get this thing done. It's, it's eight o'clock at night. I'm tired of a long day. I don't want to write this email. I don't want to read this. I don't want to, oh, let me put Netflix on. Or, oh, all right, 30 minutes, let's go, 30 minutes. And I just buckle up for 30 minutes. And that 30 minutes, that adds up. Because then that 30 minutes becomes easy. And then what took 30 takes five. And I do that thing all the time. So imagine the thing that everybody else keeps pushing off because it's 30 minutes. They keep pushing off. If I'm doing it in five minutes a day easily, guess what? I get to present myself to that next problem. And now I'm three levels, four levels down and you're still stuck to the same one. And it's not because I have a better book in my brain or because I have a different experience. It doesn't mean I didn't play in the NFL. None of that matters. What I do now has nothing to do with the NFL. Absolutely nothing. But the success I have has to do everything with what do I do in the moments that I don't want to do things? And I buckle down for 20 more, 15 more, 30 more minutes. And if you can, you'll find that it becomes easy to do that thing. And then you can present yourself to the next problem. Man, there's, a, there's the one quote that, that came into my mind is that one of my guys would always say, do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And if you can do that, if you can do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, and you're going to be successful. And that also uh, brings it to the next point, because I have read High Performance Habits, and mm -hmm. I've listened to a lot, just like you said, he's been a pioneer in the space for many years. And one thing that he talks about is his ability to take breaks. And I feel like some guys like you and I... <laughs> And, and I don't know if you struggle with this, so I shouldn't assume, but sometimes you get into it and you get to go, 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 go because you yeah. have that momentum. Do you still take breaks on things? Do you find yeah. yourself getting exhausted? This little thing here is my, my, it's my, it's my little, I don't call it mini deity when it comes to I'm a man of faith, but this is like my second God. <laughs> when, it, when I got to get something done, the problem is we, we want to take breaks. So we, we take breaks when we don't need to take breaks because we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> I'll take a break I'll be in front of the computer for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, but in that last 20 minutes, you spent 15 of it scrolling, bro. You haven't right. done anything. The, the break should be after you've done something to tax your brain because you did the work. I've had, I've had a, the last week, I've been trying to knock out this thing of a new campaign. And I'm writing like 16 different mini paragraphs that are every word is powerfully specific. And it's taxing and it's and I, I put this egg timer on. All right, I got 15 minutes, let's get one, some something done. So I start doing it. And it's it's this thing where I, I do have to take a break. And I gotta collect myself, collect my brain. But the reality is I only take breaks when I know I deserve them. Mm. That's the difference. I think there's a, a think a thought that I gotta take a break and I set this egg timer. And a lot of people are looking at what the paper says, the overarching, like, oh, I, I've been sitting down for 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah. But what did what did you actually press yourself to do? And if you check in with yourself honestly. Did you get that thing done? And did right. you get it done right? You, you can do it. You can catch a workout. It could be a crappy workout because you didn't, you didn't push hard. You used light weights and you, you rested way too long. But you can still say, I got a workout. I ain't the same as my workout, bro. In that 30 minutes, I got everything done. And you got 10 things that maybe of the 20 done. And, and you, know, you didn't push real hard. You didn't really tax yourself. So guess who's going to be stronger? Right. Well, I am. That, that's the thing is, is, is you can't just, you got to know 
what you're actually pushing. And it's a ton of self-awareness. And I think some people don't like the idea of knocking themselves down. You're your own worst enemy. Yeah, but motivation in and of itself is attacking the parts of yourself that need to be motivated. Hmm. So it's not a matter of beating yourself up, but it's going and saying, let's be honest with myself. Am I pushing? And if I'm not, dig in. Because what's beautiful is when you do, little by little, you start getting this personal pride that, that now you don't want to let yourself down and you feel like an animal. Like when, when you get to that feeling that you deserve something because you've done the work to earn it, that's what makes people untouchable. I'm, I'm that way. I know people can't touch me. Like they, 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 whether it's a personal pride, you can't touch the fact that I'm going to get something done. If I get to a competition level, I'm so internal now at this point. If I see something as a competition, like I got to outdo that person, I literally stop looking at what they're doing. Mm. I'm just digging in. I just go internal. Let me be because I trust that if I lean into my level of what's great for me and the knowledge I have, what I already know needs to be done, every time I come back and I've outdone them because they were looking at me and they lost sight of themselves because I know right. most people don't do that. So little, these little nuances, they're separators. So it's, yeah, I take breaks, but when I've earned them and when I know I deserve them, that's when I will because I, need to re- I do need to sharpen the ax. But like you can't sharpen the ax if you honestly aren't even taking any swings. Facts that, and I know we just got a couple questions left, but one thing that I want to ask you is a lot of people listening to this right now. And and I think that everything of what you just said speaks to having an identity, just like you said, the mindset comes with it. Everything comes with it. Once you know who you are, you're not focused on the competition. You're running your own race. Is there a quick hack that someone can at least put themselves on the right path to identifying even at a surface level who they are and what their identity is. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a quiz that I, I have on my website. Someone could take this, but I'll break down the kind of levels and structures. And so what it is, is four different areas. And one of the areas has five different tiers to it. So the four areas are based on slower go. It's opportunity and opposition that we have in life. No matter who we are, these things intersect. And then we are met as who we are at that intersection point. You either go hard in opportunity or go slow when it happens, or you'll go hard in opposition or go slow when it happens. So if I go slow in opposition and I'm slow to take on opportunities, I'm a dreamer. I'm a person that dreams about a lot of things and I'll talk about stuff and I'll ask a lot of questions, but I'll do nothing because I don't approach opportunity. It scares me. And I don't tackle opposition because I'm afraid of it. I don't believe I deserve anything. So they mm-hmm. stay in that dreamer state. I think as someone who says, you know what, I, I, I attack opportunity. I'm going opportunity, but I go slow in opposition, which means when opposition arises, I slow down. These people are what I call dabblers like me. I'm going to take on this new shiny object because I get excited about it. I want to take it on and see what it is. But the second something goes wrong, I shut down. I feel bad. I I don't want to face it again. I, I, oh man, I can't do this. I suck. See, I I know I sucked. Then you tuck away for a few months and you emerge back and try something new. Shiny object, dabbler. You'll dabble in life. Then you got what I call defenders. These are people who have had some success. These people will go hard in opposition to protect the stance they already have. I will tag, how dare you say that I'm not that thing? I'm a great mom. I'm a great coach, right? They don't, I'm going to defend that. But because they've had some success, they are slow to take on new opportunity because what if I try it and fail and it takes a little bit away from what I've already created? I don't want anybody to have, I don't want to lose a little bit of this cake. I'm going to protect this cake, right? So these right. are people un, undefeated boxer built a great business, but doesn't want to sell it and try something new because what if the next one sucks? Or I sold a business. I don't want to start a new one because what if it's not as good as the first one? So people who don't want to, they don't want to let any part of their ego get chipped off. So they take on nothing new and miss out on all the opportunities that they have because of what they've already created for themselves. Then you get a person who is what's called a doer, which is they tackle opportunity because they know they can handle the opposition. And they tackle opposition because they know it creates new opportunity. They go, go. I got no problem. I'm a, I'm a doer, they call it. But that person has five levels. And this is what you alluded to earlier, actually, and where these people sit. The five levels are fairly simple, but you, you'll grasp them, especially in our space, it makes sense. The first person is what's called a walker. I walk places. I'm self-powered, self-driven, self-made. These people don't want to take any insight. I'm going to do it myself and figure it out. It's like the two-year-old. No, mommy, I got it. I'll do it. <laughs> right. How far do they get? If we're all traveling from, say, California to Florida, the person who's walking might never make it. Right. <laughs> may never. You got a person who's a rider. Let's say they ride a bike, skate, or whatever it is. They, they got the stance to help them get there quicker. They read an article. They watched a TED Talk. They just took a couple things and learned a little bit. But they didn't really invest. They just invested a little bit of time, we'll say. And then what happens is they have a little, it's still self-powered, but I got a couple of notions. This is a person that knows everything about everything because they watched the conspiracy video. Like they got some information. I know everything. I'm going to get there. They can ride a bike to Florida, but it's going to take a while. They're going to be burned out by the time they get there. Then you got the third person. This is the person who says, you know what? 
I know that I need to be powered outside of myself. It's a driver. I need power outside of myself. These are the people who do a little bit of investment. They invest in the book. They invest in the online course. They may spend some time reading and, and researching and do it. They'll do some work because they realize I need to get some insight outside of myself and they'll invest. But what happens is they don't really get live interactions. So what it looks like, it's like they're driving from California, Florida. They'll make it. Yes. But they get roadblocks, stop signs, detours, car might break down, got to change the tire. They can't get past the roadblocks sometimes because they just, it's just them and, and with the book they read and the course they took, which is great, but you need more. The next person is a person that's what's called a pilot, flying. This person invests at a higher level. Think about the actual physical investment of time for a license and for a vehicle between a car and a plane. Like right. a car, anybody get a car, right? A plane, that's a lot. That's a high investment, ton of Thanks. time. These are the people that say, all right, I'm joining a mastermind group. I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going to get an executive coach. I'm going to get, a, I'm going to do something that's outside of me. So I get non-self power, but also more. And these people, they clear out the roadblocks to get there. Cause now someone's already passed that. Like they're flying above it all. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about the stop signs. Well, I'm just getting there. The only thing I got to deal with is some turbulence, which happens. I get a little turbulence at the play there. And then you got the people. And I, I like to think I'm a pilot because I got a ton of insight and coaching and I'm, I'm always, I have Programs I pay 35000 plus a year for to be part of just to be able to have those insights and stretch me. I have to. But then you got the people who are like, all right, I see all you guys going from California to Florida, but I'm an astronaut. I see what, I, what you guys are looking for in Florida. Nothing compared to what I see over here in the UK or Australia mm-hmm. or over here in, you know, I don't know, Okinawa, right? There's different things. And so the thing is those astronauts, those are like your Elon Musk, The Rock, Kevin Hart, Oprah. Those are different level people. They see the world different because they have different exposure to something different. Again, higher level of investment of time, higher level investment of funds to get yourself up to that level. And so when people hear this, a lot of people in the beginning, they're like, I'm a go-go person. I'm like, no, you're not. And then I realized like, yeah, they are, but they just, they're at a different level of go-go. So when you, when you can determine where you are at right now, it'll give you a clear picture of what I got to do to change that. So if somebody's listening and saying, all right, I'm a dreamer, I'm a doer, I'm a dabbler, I'm a go, whatever it is. If you're a dreamer, you got to start tackling opportunity and taking on opposition. Just you have to start doing that kind of stuff. You got to do more. If you're a dreamer, you need to get to the, or sorry, dabble, you get to the point where you start tackling opposition when it comes in. Don't shut down, stay the course. Mm. If you're a, uh, a defender, take more shots, damn it. Do more. You'll find there's more out there. Just take some more shots. If you're a goer person already, determine where you're at. Do you need to make bigger investments of time and money? Do you need to stop being self-made? Like, where do you need to level yourself up? Where are you at now? And once you get that, it'll give you a clear picture of like, all right, that's what I got to do. Man, that's so far. I I feel like I resonate with a couple of those. But here's the other thing I'll say is I feel, this is just me personally, but I feel like there's always such a negative connotation when it comes to being a dreamer. And obviously we always have, we have the dream nation. And, but my goal is, to help people evolve from being a dreamer to being an astronaut and taking action on it. it. But I, I yeah. feel like there's not a lot of credit to dreamers and everything. Not dreamers are necessary. Dream, yeah. If you think of the book, the E-Myth, it's based around the concept that there's three tiers. There's a person that's the visionary person, the dreamer. Right. There's the systems person that makes it come to life and a technician. Most people are dreamers and technician, but they miss out on the systems piece. So they mm. stay dreaming. Dream is not a bad thing, but a a doer has a dream. But that whole concept is I'm doing what my dream is. So there's nothing wrong with it. You got to have the dream. It's necessary. I got a dream. Well, if I didn't have it, I wouldn't get up and do what I do. But at the same time, I'm doing it. I love it, man. For anyone who wants to stay, well, first, let me ask you this. There's somebody out there that's listening at this right now and they're inspired by you. They're definitely going to figure out how they can learn more from you, hopefully be coached by you, but they have that little voice in their head. And that little voice says they're not smart enough. They're not strong enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's that last one thing that you would say to that person to get them to just take action? First off, you're right. You don't have that right now. And that's completely okay. First off, own that. And that's what the stem tell you is called own your shift. Mm. There's nothing wrong with admitting I don't have that. But if you keep lying to yourself and saying, oh, I got it. It's cool. Or if you just keep accepting this limitation and you sell yourself on it, you'll get to keep that. I think Gay Hendricks says, if you, yeah. if you fight for limitation, you get to keep it, right? Thanks. So, you got that. Like it's part of it. I took a bit of own your words. It means something. Own, own the fact that you have something that's got to be worked on. Okay. I, I have the resources. Cool. Now you know what to work on. I don't have the, the strength of confidence. Cool. Now you know what to work on. Most people just start working and have no idea what they're working on. So own the fact that you got something to work on. Your, it's your duty to fix it. It may not be your fault, but it's your responsibility. Mark Manson talked about this in his book. So yeah, these things didn't happen because you want them. Foster care wasn't something that I chose. It wasn't my fault, 
but I'm the one that has to fix it. It's my responsibility and that's okay. You can't right. keep blaming people all day wrong, right? That's what happened. Your responsibility then shift. Shift is a verb and it's work you got to do. You got to shift perspectives and mindset and the way you operate, actions, habits, reactions, and drivers, but shift and then do the work. And that's what all you have to lean into. If you, there's, there's, there's okay to not feel like you're there right now. Because if you, if you were already there, you wouldn't feel like that. And that's a real feeling. But give yourself some grace and realize that every single person started at the bottom somewhere. They are not special. They just did special things in a moment, which was they just worked past that feeling you're having right now. Mm. Man, that's a word right there for anybody who is listening and cannot take action off of that. It's going to be very hard to give you anything else because that all in itself, I love how you broke it down on your shift. We're going to make sure that we put all of the links in the show notes, but for anybody who wants to stay connected with you, where can they find you at? Best places are just Instagram, man, at Anthony Trucks, or if you go to anthonytrucks.com. Got it. Cool, man. It's been a pleasure, my brother. This has been a phenomenal uh, conversation. And I'm glad that you've given me so much wisdom and so much to go back and and work on my own shift with, because I feel like I can identify with being a dabbler as well. I feel like I identify with too many of those things. So I got to go back and we got to hone it in. Yeah, we all go through the stage. It's all right. It's normal. That's what's up, man. Well, hey, I, I look forward to it. I know that we're going to be doing your show, but more importantly, yeah. Dream Nation, just remember, in the dream we trust, but just as he said, you have to take action. Otherwise, it'll only merely be a fantasy. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side.